Hi everyone, this is Steve Madden, General Manager of MM&M, and I'm excited to be bringing you this episode of A100 Storycasts, Storycasts, the new podcast series which gives members of the MM&M Agency 100 list an opportunity to talk about what sets them apart. In this episode, we're focusing on Brick City Greenhouse. Today, we'll be talking about companies that are commercializing their first product and what they should be asking themselves when they're looking for an agency. My guest today is Fred Kinch, one of the founders and content lead of Brick City Greenhouse. Hi, Fred. How you doing? I'm great, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is uh, should be fun. Glad you're here, Fred, because I, I, I love the topic. We're going to be talking about companies commercializing their first product, which is one of the many expertises that Brick City Greenhouse displays, but certainly one that we want to focus on in this uh, in this discussion. It goes without saying that all healthcare agencies know how to do product launches. Um, it's sort of the bread and butter of, of most of the industry. But what if you are a company that's making a switch from R&D to having to market your first product and you want to bring it to the market? You need to make sure that the agency that you work with, your partner in this, is, uh, is, a, is black belt and really knows how to do this and is going to make this process as, as easy as possible and as successful as possible for you. So when you're, when you're in a situation like this, you may very well turn to a company just like Brick City Greenhouse. Fred, just to, to get started, when you're in a situation like this and you're talking to your clients, do you ask them to ask themselves some questions? We do actually, yeah. Even early in our new business process, and this and this is actually a skill or a capability that we've developed at Brick City Greenhouse since we've kind of me and my partners Ashley Schofield and Renee Wills all came from like big agency networks where we dealt mostly with really large pharmaceutical companies and biotechs. Very rarely did we have like a smaller pre-commercial. You know, you, we, we may have launched a product that was new in a particular space or a category or a new MOA, but rarely did we have the opportunity to really like uh, take, a, take a company that was in an R&D mode and help them convert onto their commercial of standing in the marketplace and really help establish that. So it's, it's been something we've developed over the last seven years. So we do, we, we actually talk a lot to our clients up front as part of the new business process before we ever really ever agree to engage with them mm -hmm. on, a, on a regular basis to find out where their heads are at and whether they really are interested in an offering like Brick City Greenhouse and to really understand if we're the right fit for them. And so a, a lot of times, a lot of questions come up in the context of those discussions to see where their heads are at and to find out whether we're really the right fit or not. And but also just to say, we don't want anyone ever to have like the, the wrong fit around something or get into a relationship and discover six months, nine months, a year out that this is really not for them. So we really do. We really try to pressure test, you know, a relationship is a two way street and not a lot of agencies think of it that way. But we really do think of it as a two way street in terms of like, is it are we right for you and are you right for us as so, well? So so it's essentially like, um, you know, before you before you sign on with a client, you have a giant pre-Cana conference. <laughs> not 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 so much at stake. Yeah, but we have some pre-Cana-esque uh, phone calls and the upfront or Zoom calls nowadays in the upfront try to, to try to get a feel for, you know, where people's heads at and, and really what they're looking for in terms of the offering that they think is going to best support their initial commercial endeavors. So what are some of the questions that you that you ask them or that you ask them to ask themselves? 
I think the first one and primarily the most important question really is we asked them to really take a hard look at what is their culture at the startup? Like a lot of people, you find that a lot of times marketers, CMOs come in from other organizations. They're, they're hired into these organizations because of their experience from other arenas. But the first thing is to really assess like here and now, what is the reality of the culture that you're in at your organization? Are you already a marketing savvy organization? We work with on kind of a project basis, a small CAR-T company based out of San Francisco. And their CEO is an old contact out of Genentech. And he comes out of marketing. So a lot of the things and his style of marketing and, and what he's looking for, for support from the various agencies that he's got in his portfolio fit nicely into kind of like an orderly and organized way of what of how he learned how to do things at Genentech. In other examples, though, you have a lot of times some of the founders of startup companies in a pre-commercial phase are not necessarily from a marketing background. They're not necessarily from an organization that's even ever launched a product. We have a client we work with where the CEO is not even from the pharma or biotech space. He's from the investment community. And you know th this is his foray into the biotech space. So it's kind of understanding like wh where are they coming from? What's their baseline understanding and knowledge about what they want to accomplish and what their vision is to how they want to launch into the space and then really starting from there. And then that culture then also then informs what the interaction style is going to be. Mm -hmm. You know, do they expect a rapidly iterating kind of style of engagement with them? Are they looking to put in a lot of process and more large pharma rigor around what they're trying to accomplish as they grow their organization? Or are they looking to stay kind of like lean and nimble? You know, all those things, for at least for an agency and for the marketers who are hiring those agencies, it helps inform the kind, of, the kind of partners that you're looking for in an agency relationship. If your organization is leaner and more iterative and you want a more rapid engagement style, going to a larger holding company agency may not be the best choice for that, where there's a lot of process and rigor around servicing very large brands. If you're a more nimble, smaller organization, you may want to go with a smaller shop that is more engineered around being able to be responsive to that organization in real time. But part of the issue when you're going with a smaller shop, and I completely understand what you're saying, is that one of the arguments for going with, say, uh, a, a network agency is that their operations are and their offerings are completely scalable, right? They've got everything from soup to nuts. Is that a question that you ask that you want to make sure people are comfortable with? Yeah, you know, that we do ask, like, what, what size, what scale partner are they looking for? And that does factor into things. We had a, a new business opportunity about a year and a half ago where we got far along in the process and C-suite level, not the marketing level, but the C-suite level really came back at a certain point in the process was like, actually, you know what, we're going to be have such a lean footprint in the United States that we really are looking for a larger holding company that has everything to offer right now. Now, that's good if, if that's what they want and that's what they can afford as well. Because in a lot of times these startup, you know, a cash runway, like what is your cash position? How long is your cash runway is also really important to maximize as well. If you, if you want a big soup to nuts holding company conglomerate to kind of help you out, 
you can certainly go that direction, but you're certainly going to pay for it as well. And so you've got to factor in that, those budgetary concerns with that as well. The flip side of that, though, is for all of those kind of integrated offerings, smaller independent agencies really are good at integrating and playing well in the sandbox with a lot of other small independent agencies and cobbling together ad hoc networks on an ad needed basis for clients. We do that all the time where they've got a series of small independent shops and we work on the back end with them silently without the sometimes without the clients having to intervene to make sure they're getting a cohesive and unified offering to them at a price that's going to be much more affordable than a large agency network where you're roped in. Even, you know, even, even when a, a large agency network holds a status meeting to coordinate on all those things, you've got 20 people in the room billing at X dollar an hour and times an hour and a half meeting. Like those kinds of expenses add up in a billable hour model with those large holding companies. And that's just something to be aware of in terms of your own, as a marketer in an organization that, that's making that conversion, how do you plan to maximize your dollars and protect those dollars as well? When you guys formed Brick City Greenhouse, it was it was three very senior people coming together to start your own organization with a very distinct point of view on how to go about doing it. I have to think that that put you at an advantage for being able to say to potential clients, look, we've got really senior people here, because that's an important consideration for someone doing a first time commercialization of a product too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a big issue is because, for example, one of our one of our very first clients was up in the Boston area. And it's not uncommon in pre-commercial organizations as they're making that conversion when they're really small, they're not built out yet. So when you go to meetings with them, it's not uncommon at all to be in a room where the CFO, the CMO, the CEO, and the COO are all in the same room for this meeting. They're all heavily invested in that. So it was, and it still is a real big point of differentiation for Brick City Greenhouse in that we were able to offer, and we still do, we, we kind of, we've engineered our model around that to make sure that we have very senior level support that can actually service the needs of very senior people on, on the client side in those circumstances. That's kind of the irony of the dichotomy of, of, of startup is it's like, they're usually pretty cash lean, but talent heavy. They've brought in heavy hitters to take their organization and start through their first or second or through their pipeline of launches. And it takes really senior, smart people to get that done who've got a holistic view of the entire marketing mix from sales, through pricing, through you know everything. And you've got to have an agency partner that's got senior enough capabilities on their side, even at a low dollar spend level, are willing to devote those resources to you as a marketing organization to get the right kind of support you need and the right kind of vantage to help make that endeavor successful. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's really important if you're going to a meeting and you've got like the entire C-suite in there because they want to make sure that they're getting their money's worth. You need to bring your own version of the C-suite. You know, it's not something where, I mean, yes, there are certainly junior staffers who are bright up and comers who you would want to have in the room, but they're not going to bring the same level of knowledge of the business, of your client's business. It's really important that that be something that the agency understand too, right? Yeah. And we, we actually have several of our, oh, actually Renee Wills, my partner, co-founder of the agency, and who's our kind of a client lead. She actually came out of the client side. She was a marketing director at Sanofi. 
So she brings that perspective. She understands the internal dynamics that happen within pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies. And so that understanding and a number of our senior account people came from that kind of, you know, we're either on the sales side or in marketing and bring that perspective to the agency engagement with that. Because you're right in that sense. And it's not that it's not that, you know, the CMO and CFO and CEO are showing up to these meetings because they want to get their money's worth. They're showing up because they are heavily invested. They've got equity deals on the table. You know, they are looking to take these products, either get their first launch or to sell the organization to a larger company. So they're heavily vested in wanting to get this right. So they tend to be really, really hands-on. So you're right. You do need an agency team. And that's why Ashley, Renee, and myself are, are frequently, more so than I ever was in my past lives, heavily involved in day-to-day client activities and day-to-day client engagements and problem solving around things for our clients. Well, it, it also sounds like what you're describing is also, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but there's, there's almost like a consultancy going on here too. It's not just, here's how to market your product. It's here, here's how to commercialize your product. And maybe there are, you know, you're able to bring the bear examples from other firms that you've helped that might help a nascent company with its organizational structure and processes. Yeah. You have to take a very holistic view of their business. You're not just, you're not just narrowly focused in on what is the product that you're trying to launch and what physician or HCP or patient audiences are you trying to launch to? Oftentimes with startup companies, these these startup companies, they are complete unknowns in the marketplace and they have multiple goals in mind. They're trying in many cases to maintain a very positive position and reputation with Wall Street. They're trying to commercialize their product. They're trying to get the company name out there to potential partners and KOLs and inline physicians who are going to eventually prescribe their product. They're also trying to market themselves also to potential new employees because as they try to build out whole commercial structures, they've got to hire whole marketing teams. They've got to hire whole sales forces. They've got to hire customer service specialists. They've got to hire a whole variety of people. And if, if they're not putting forward a good vision for the company and a good look for the company, they all could also fall flat in hiring and staffing up to commercialize as well. And that's also part of what we do is making sure that we understand all the various audiences, which is not a standard set of audiences. Like if you were, if we were in line with a major pharmaceutical company, helping them launch a product in a space where they already have a presence, they would know who all the KOLs are. They would have relationships with, they would have a reputation in the marketplace You know, when a Genentech launches into oncology, they've got a reputation already. When one of our startup biotech companies is launching into oncology, other than maybe a few investigators, there's no brand recognition for the company. So thinking through who are all the audiences, what is the overall objectives for not just the brand that you're trying to launch, but what are the overall objectives for the company and making sure that you put forward the right solutions, whether they benefit your agency financially or not. We regularly do that. We regularly recommend to potential clients, hey, you know what? You really need to engage with an IR relationship firm. You know, we don't have this capacity in-house, but here are three, three people, three groups that we feel like you might like to talk to. And we're happy to help in the, in the kind of um, process to select those potential partners. 
but getting an overall view of the company and helping guide people through that. I mean, there was a situation with one of our clients where they had a drug that was going to be launching into multiple spaces across different physician types. They mostly came from a, uh, most of the marketers came from an oncology background and they were, they were branching off into another area and the marketers having a long storied careers in oncology didn't even really know how to approach these other indications. I mean, had a very, very, very kind of like um, light vantage, a light insight into what kind of sales force am I going to need? What size sales force am I going to need? What do the spins look like in this category? Things that as an agency with a multitude of experiences, and a lot of it, I mean, a lot of agencies who've, who've done that have a good viewpoint across a variety of clients and sizes and, and scale to help inform those decisions. But you have to, you're right. You have to have the right people in the room to help and who are feel free and articulate and confident enough to make those recommendations and to vocalize those opinions in these very senior level meetings. Now, you mentioned something earlier that I want to come back to. You said that startups tend to be um, have some real heavy hitters in the talent side. And because it's a startup, the finances can be not necessarily means not the right word, but you have to watch every single dollar really carefully. How important is it that that the agency and the client be aligned on the like the reality of the spend and making sure that the dollars are being stretched properly? It's a very important factor. A lot of times, smaller companies like that, every financial decision, say above an X amount of dollars, can go up to the board or to the CEO for approval. You know, we even very you wouldn't believe it, but like even like um, we've been in some circumstances with clients who are really watching their cash runway and small expenditures, $5,000, $10,000 had to go all the way up to the CEO for approval. So really understanding what their budgetary constraints are, what their approval processes are like for those spends. Also really helping those marketers make a case. We spent a lot of time at Brick City helping craft rationale and justification for certain spends. And if those spends are not at the levels that the marketers were like, would like, really helping them scale their offerings. Uh, you know, coming out of um, from my back from my CDM days when I worked on huge blockbusters like Lipitor or Norvasc or even you know uh, Prolia for Amgen, it it really was like money was no object. We would we put force recommendations, budgets, whole scopes of work would be approved for the whole year. And we would start working against those. For a lot of our startup clients, though, it's project by project needs to get approval. They don't have this amount of money. They have they have a, a smaller amount of money. So we really help them figure out, like, how are we going to scale this research effort? What is the level of internal rigor that the organization is going to need to feel comfortable with the marketing decisions that they make? You know, and how can we scale to equip the marketers with the right kind of information so that they feel like they can make a compelling case to upper management to move forward with other kind of marketing decisions. It's a real balancing act that we're, we're constantly trying to creatively problem solve with our clients. Let's talk a little bit more about that, about having an agency that can help you make the case for further investment. I mean, that's an important part of this, of commercialization as well, right? 
Yeah. I mean, we've supported clients in a whole variety of ways, whether it's, you know, in a typical scenario, a client was like, Hey, you know, this is my brand plan for 2023. Hypothetically, as an illustrative example, these are the big initiatives, agency go away, brainstorm all the various tactics that we think we need to employ and put budgetary numbers across those things. So in a normal situation, you would get a strategic plan, a brand plan, you'd go away, you'd come up with tactical ideas, they green light them and you put budgets behind all those things. A lot of times what we end up having to do though, is like when we get requests of scope of work, we go all the way from having to put very elaborate rationale about what is the strategic role of each one of these tactics or each one of these programs or each one of these work streams and how that fits into the larger overall marketing mix for the brand. And then we've been ancillary participants in some other efforts. Like we had a client, he did a big elaborate analysis of G&A spins of pre-commercial clients to commercial as other organizations commercialized. How much money did they spend? When did they start spending money? And to show their senior management as well, the kinds of spends that other companies, when they spend a lot, you know, like this gentleman talks about, you know, when organizations like this spend, the forecast number can also go up. If you're going to curtail that spend, the forecast number, you may need to plan for that forecast number for sales to come down a little bit as well. But we're also involved in some of those kind of ancillary efforts where we're supporting information or data or helping infuse data into those kinds of decision-making processes so that they're painting a picture of what good looks like from a GNA spin point of view as an organization looks to support a launch. Got it. Fred, are there any other things that uh, that you would recommend a company looking to commercialize a product for the first time ask itself about finding an agency such as Brick City Greenhouse? I think the biggest thing is back to my earlier point is that really take a hard look at the culture of your organization and understanding how what's the reality of how you're working today and now. Because the, these organizations, a lot of times their culture is solidified and entrenched among a small group of people for a long time as they get the R&D picture in place and they get their clinical trials up and running with maybe even just one compound. And understanding how is that organization going to service that brand moving forward? How is it going to support marketing for that brand moving forward? And pick a partner that is going to best service your needs within that organization. Thinking really critically about like the reality of the situation. We have a lot of marketers who come in from big organizations into small organizations. And there's a lot of like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're doing this. There's, it's kind of like a wake up call for them, even a little bit in terms of like, how are we, you know, I did not operate like this in my past life as a marketer. <laughs> and now I'm in a completely different environment, completely different world. I'm trying to figure out like, how do we get budgets approved? How do we get money approved? So I would just really encourage them to take a, a really hard look at like, where are you today? Be very Buddhist about it. Like, here's the here and now today. And then based on that, pick the right partner for you, you know, that who, yep. who's going to match and complement that environment and those demands to the best of their abilities in that moment like that too big. And you're going to, you're going to blow a lot of money without a lot of output too small. And you're not going to get enough bandwidth out of your, your partner to help you scale up as you go to launch. I mean, we support at Brick City, we support, even Stephen, on a project basis, some some pre-commercial clients as they redo their 
corporate presence or they look to blow out their perception with investor relations um, up to very large biotech companies where we're cranking out 150 pieces for a potential launch. But we're still relatively, you know, we're, I guess we're more of a medium-sized agency now than we were a small agency. But um, we can handle a breadth, but just make sure that you can get the right level of senior level attention if you go with a large holding company. Like, are you really going to get the senior people as frequently as you're going to need them? Versus the other side, there's a lot of mom and pop shops out there too. And, and God bless them, they're making their living and they're doing their thing. Are they, do they really have the perspective on the business that's going to help you grow with your organization as well? Right. Well, this has been great, Fred. I really, uh, really appreciate you coming on. My guest on the Agency 100 podcast has been Fred Kinch, founder and content lead of Brick City Greenhouse. We've been talking about questions that companies seeking to commercialize a product for the first time should be asking themselves about hiring an agency such as Brick City Greenhouse, a proud member of MM&M's Agency 100. We are indeed. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. I really, this was a lot of fun today. Fred, thanks a lot. Really appreciate your time.